you're often told, God loves you. But what does that really mean? That some impersonal force galaxies away may consider you from time to time? Or that you are a single drop in a vast ocean of humanity and God cares for all of it? There are billions of lives, billions of stories. Can we really believe he has great destinies planned for all of them? Surely the ruler of the universe has more important affairs than to notice the needs of one singular individual. But hear this, nothing could be further from the truth. When God says, I love you, it means that he crafted every detail of your being. Your every feature is his perfect design. His mind perceives your worries and your thoughts. His heart is broken by your pain. You are his child, created in his image. Your value exceeds all the riches of earth. Your worth extends beyond the stars. And though you may be unaware, he's carefully constructing the events of your life to build his kingdom. If you are willing, he can and will achieve wonders through your hands. It is the deepest passion, the most meaningful promise. It is your security, your hope, and your future. It is the truth beyond doubt. God loves you. Who said that you weren't beautiful and that you didn't belong in your own skin? Who said that you were all alone and that you're never going to find love again? So many little words, so many little lies that have followed you all of your life. Looking for the truth, look into your eyes and you'll see been there the whole time Ooh, even, even when you were running, running even, even when you were hiding never been a moment that you were not perfectly loved when you barely believed it when your eyes couldn't see it every single moment you've always been perfectly loved Ooh, perfectly loved you've always been in the hands of the infinite as the wounds of the world became his see the kindness heaven has for you and how he's always been drawing you in so many open doors so many open doors so many miracles so many that have followed you all of your life Looking for the truth, looking for the truth, look into your eyes, oh, and you'll see it's been there the whole time. Ooh, even when you were running, even when you were hiding, 
But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What a great way to start our service, reminding each of us of God's great love. I don't know how your week's been. I don't know what you bring into this room this morning. Some of you, it's been a great week of victory and obedience. For others, you may have struggled this week and you bring in a lot of guilt and shame. Regardless of how you walked in here, know that each one of you are loved in the same way. And you can do nothing to change that. I hope today, if you don't know him as Lord and Savior, that you will trust him and receive that amazing love. What a privilege it is to be here this morning to gather and worship. If you're visiting with us, we're so glad that you could join us today. And we would encourage you before you rush out after the service to please stop by our guest table. We'll pick up a guest bag. Um, we'd also encourage you just to fill out the care card in your bulletin, or you can scan that QR code if you're tech savvy enough. And Fill out that digital um, guest card. We would love to have a record of your visit and know how we could serve you better. But right now, we're going to ask everyone to stand. Take just a minute to greet your neighbor. If you haven't had a chance to speak to them and welcome them to the service.
come to this time in our service. It's the time that we like to invite you to come to the altar and pray. And uh, we need to remember Wayne Williams in prayer. Some of you may know Wayne. It's Ronnie Williams, who's a member here. It's his brother. He had a pretty bad accident this weekend, and Ronnie asked us if we would to pray for him. But at this time, I want you to use this time to come as an individual or as a family and come and lift up your petitions to the Lord. So as the praise team and the choir leads us in this song, if you'll meet me here at the altar, let's pray together this morning. Thank you. Chairman of Deacon Chris Russell, if he will, to lead us in this prayer. And before he does, I just want to mention this, that we will be taking deacon nominations uh, for the upcoming church year. So if you have someone you'd like to nominate, please, you can put that on the care card and put it in the basket in the back. We'd really appreciate it. But Chris, thank you so much for praying for us this morning. Let's pray, guys. Father, we thank you for this day, God. We just thank you for the opportunity we have just to be in your house. God, how good it is to be here, to be unhindered, to be able to worship freely. Uh, God, we want to pray for all the requests of prayer that's been made this morning, Lord. What's on this altar this morning, Lord? There's illness, there's, there's death, there's injury, there's all kinds of needs. And Father, we just thank you that you're able, and through you all things are possible. God, we thank you so much for the grace and mercy you give to us each and every day. And God, we thank you this morning that for the privilege and the power of prayer, God, that uh, the veil's torn and we can boldly approach your throne. And Father, you hear us, you understand us, and you know our needs, and we're thankful for that. Father, we want to tell you this morning that we love you. God, we thank you for first loving us. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Lord, I need
Amen. Thank you, choir. I'm going to ask if you have your Bibles to stand with me and turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. <clears throat> Title of the message this morning is called Unseen. We read these passages uh, last week, but I really didn't uh, preach a lot out of these passages. So if you have your Bibles, we're looking at 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 8 says this, Whom having not seen you love, Though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Let's pray together. Father, as we come to you in prayer, we want to thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for the songs that have been lifted up to praise to you. Lord, we don't see you, but we love you. Lord, we don't see you, but we believe in you. And Lord, we don't see you. And as a church family and as individuals, we rejoice in you. Father, I'm so thankful that this chapter talks about trials. And Lord, every person in this room today has been through trials. Father, a lot of who we are today is because of our trials. And Father, I'm so thankful that even though we have good days and Lord, we have bad days, We can still rejoice in you. We can still believe in you. And we can still love you. And Father, thank you for what you're going to do for us today. Lord, I pray that you would encourage us, Lord, in our faith. And Father, if there's anyone here today who's never placed their faith in the unseen Christ, I pray that you'd open up the eyes of their heart today, Father, and save them for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray, and all of God's people say together, Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Peter, in writing this epistle, knew that these believers who are scattered throughout Turkey, as we've talked about in every message I've preached, over 750,000 square miles, he understood that trials sometimes for us can be a temptation. Sometimes we'll ask these questions. Why did this happen to me? And this is natural to ask. Because most of the time trials are bad or unpleasant, We would ask something like this, is God punishing me? Is he displeasing me? Is it sin in my life? You know, there are some trials that we create, but a lot of things that happen to us in life are just, it's just part of God's plan. And Peter knows this, he's been through it. He denied Christ three times or more. And then Jesus appeared to Peter and said, if you love me, Peter, feed my sheep. So he's trying to put things in perspective. And what he wants them to understand first and foremost is their salvation. Notice these four things on the screen that describe your salvation that we've talked about in this, uh, these verses so far in verses 1 through 7. You've been chosen. That's election. That means that in eternity past, God placed his love on you and saved you. And not only that, but you've been set apart. God has set you apart. That means that your salvation is eternally secure until you go to heaven or Jesus comes back. You've been purchased. We haven't talked about that yet, but we will in a couple weeks. You have been redeemed. Christ shed his blood for you. Someone died for you. Jesus died the most horrible death that any man has ever died, not because of the crucifixion, but because of the reason, and bearing God's wrath on the cross. And then we talked about your future is secure, and it is glorious. That is glorification. Peter said that we've been... uh, We have an inheritance that is incorruptible, undefiled. It does not fade away. It is reserved in heaven for you. Your salvation is personal. We could say this about the church, but we're saying it about yourself. 
And it just really humbles me as a, as a Christian, especially somebody who studies so much, that, that just the fact that I've been saved by God, that God convicted my heart, and that that was part of his plan from the beginning of this world. It's amazing. And how that God has set me apart, and what that means is this, that even though I have seasons of temptation and seasons of sin, we all do, that that does not change my status before God. I've been set apart. And then just to think about the cross, the turning point of all of history was the cross and the resurrection of Christ. And what Peter starts out in this epistle is he says, I want you to understand your great salvation. And then he says, I want you to understand that this Christ that you uh, believe in, you have not seen. Notice the verses on the screen again. Peter makes this statement, whom having not seen you love. You have not seen Jesus and you will not see Jesus. It's not going to do it. Whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet you believe. Not only that, but you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So the question I ask, and there's one question I'm going to ask, and then if your answer is yes, there are three things that go with that, and that is this, do you see Jesus? Do you, do I see Jesus? When you think about seeing Jesus, uh, the Bible, talk, Paul talks about how that you're not going to see him with your eyes. In 2 Corinthians 4, 6, notice what Paul says to the church at Corinth. For God, who's, God said this, let there be light in the darkness. You're the sovereign of the universe if you can speak light into existence. And then he says this, he says, for the God who said that, has made this light, that powerful light, to shine in our hearts so that we may know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus. He's writing to people who never saw Jesus. But he says, because of faith and because of the power of God, you can believe in an unseen person. There are two kinds of seeing Jesus, the kind that saves and the kind that doesn't save. You would think if anyone would believe in Jesus, it would be the ones who saw him with their physical eyes. Do you realize that the Bible, the New Testament, the Gospels, record so many miracles of Jesus, so many people who saw those miracles, and then after they see those miracles, they don't believe in Jesus? So this idea that if Jesus just appeared today, that everyone would fall at his feet in faith, that's not so. Remember last week, we talked about the Lazarus, Lazarus who had died uh, Lazarus' uh, family comes to Jesus and said, Lord, if you had been here, you would not, die, would not have died. And, and Jesus said, if you believe in me, even though you die, you'll live. And they said, Lord, by now he stinks. Been dead four days. And Jesus basically says, you believe in the power of God? And Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came forth in grave clothes. Now, if that happened today, would you not believe in that person? You realize that the Bible says that the, many of the Jews did not believe? As a matter of fact, later on in John's Gospel, it says that some of the religious leaders wanted to kill Lazarus instead of placing their faith in him. Think about feeding the feeding of the 5,000. Five loaves and two little sardines, and Jesus feeds. Now, when it means, mentions 5,000, it means the men, probably ten to 20,000. And Jesus fed them. And then, then the crowd following Jesus come to him again. And Jesus said, but as I told you, you have seen me and still do not believe. So the feeding of the 5,000 didn't bring a great revival. So this idea that you've got to see this 
doesn't mean you're going to believe in him and place your faith in him. One scholar says Jesus performed countless miracles, yet the vast majority of people did not believe in him. If God performed miracles today as he did in the past, the result would be the same. People would be amazed and would believe in God for a short time. That faith would be shallow and would disappear the moment something unexpected or frightened occurred. A faith based on miracles is not a mature faith. It's just not. Peter saw Jesus. He's writing to people who didn't see Jesus. And he says, your faith can even be stronger even though you haven't seen him, you're never going to see him. Based on the reliable accounts that we give you. So just seeing Jesus doesn't mean you're going to believe in him. Notice what Ephesians 1.18 says. Paul says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart, meaning you're not seeing the person, but you believe in the person, may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. So if you see Jesus, think about this, with your, with your heart and you see and believe in the unseen Christ, what are some things that will happen? For every born-again Christian, this will happen, and I would encourage you with just three simple points this morning. And you can ask yourself, as of right now in my life, are these three things evidenced in my life? And be honest with yourself. Just be honest with yourself this morning. Because it makes all the difference in your walk with Jesus. Number one, if you see the unseen Christ with the eyes of your heart, if you will, you will love Jesus. You will. Peter says this in verse 8. He says, Whom having not seen, you love. That word is agape. That is a word that means that I'm going to love you at the expense of myself. I'm going to love you at the expense of myself. I, I, I share this in premarital counseling. Do you love each other? Right? Everyone says yes, and I said, time will tell. Amen? If you love somebody. Love is not a feeling. Infatuation is a feeling. Love is not a feeling. You're really going to know if you love that person in six to seven years. Because most marriages today don't make it that long. If I, do, if I do post-marital counseling, this is the first question I ask. Do you love each other? See, that's going to, that's going to determine, if you say, no, I don't love that person, what are we going to talk about? The weather? The Tar Heels, let's not go there, okay? <laughs> Lord, help us, all right? Listen, I'll say, do you love that person? Yes, then you can make it through anything. Because love says this, I will love you at the expense of myself. Listen to me, ladies. You better listen. Oftentimes, marriage is harder on the woman because a man just don't know how to love somebody. Listen, do you love that person? I will love you. That's what, this is what love is. At the expense of myself. When, when, the, when the religious leaders came to Jesus, and Jesus was performing miracles, they said, you're doing these miracles by Satan's power. And Jesus basically said this. Listen to what he says. Jesus tells these religious leaders, if God were your father, which meaning, which meaning God is not, which means we're not all God's children, it's nowhere in the Bible. If God were your father, he says this, you would love me. For I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me the true mark of Christianity is that I love Jesus. Paul writing to the church at Corinth says, If anyone has no love for the Lord, 
agape love, let him be accursed. Paul writing to the church of Ephes- at Ephesus says this, Grace be to all who love the Lord Jesus Christ with an incorruptible love. Do you love Jesus? Do you love him? Then you'll serve him at the expense of yourself. You, you can look at it as how life is when you love someone. Listen, when you love someone, you want to spend time with that person. You want to talk to that person. You want to text that person. But you also want to spend time with that person. Do you love Jesus? That's a question you must answer. And it's not age graded. Okay, It doesn't matter how, much, how long you've been a Christian. Do you love Jesus? Then I would ask you this question. And you can only, only you can answer that in a truthful manner. How much time do you spend with Jesus? How much time do you and Christ spend together? You know, Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Philippine, he says, he says, basically what he's saying, I'm paraphrasing, I just want to be one with Jesus. Even if I suffer and it brings me closer to Jesus, bring on the suffering. I'll suffer just like him. That word one means to be intimate. I want to be, and this is when Paul had been saved 20 some years. Now, some of you all, I've been saved since 1990. Some of you have been saved a lot longer than that. How much time do you spend with Jesus? See, you as a person have to answer that question. That'll that'll determine a lot about your future life as a Christian. Because when trials come, if you don't love Jesus, it's going to show up. Same thing in marriage, right? You wait till it gets hard to pay the bills. Are you going to sacrifice your income for the better of the family? Ladies, you better hope you marry a good man. Okay? Hey, ladies... If you start making more money than your husband, you're going to stay with him? Do you realize that secular society, I'm not talking about stats on the church, that when when a a man and a woman get married, 50% of the time, if that woman becomes financially independent, meaning she's making more money than her husband and don't need him, she leaves him. Do you love your spouse? You'll find out really quick, will you not? You'll find, how much time do you spend with Jesus? Do you really love him? Or do you love the benefits of Jesus? Right? Do you love Jesus or the benefits? I just don't want to go to hell. Yeah, who does? Do you love him? If you love him, you'll want to spend time with him. And Jesus has this this amazing thought. He said, I think I'll die for the church. When God saved Peter and Paul and the other disciples, he had them to plant churches, local churches. Now, if I love Jesus, and this is a God-organized thought from eternity past, I should love to spend time in his church. It should, for me, it's been a no-brainer. I got saved on a Tuesday, went to church on a Sunday, been here ever since. I've never hated going to church. I've hated going to work. Amen. I worked in furniture for 10 years. Every day wasn't a good day. I've never hated going to church. You should love the bride of Christ. You should love the church. And not for the things the church can do for you, but what you can do for the church. If you love somebody, you're going to want to spend time with them. Do you love Jesus? You want to be at your best. You want to be at your best if you love that person. For instance, you you take a young high school man, young guy, 
If he falls in love with a girl, guess what he'll do? He'll take a bath. Isn't that something? Isn't that amazing? He'll bathe. He'll get up and like bathe and use deodorant. I've seen it happen. When I was a youth pastor, I told one guy, I said, what happened? I'm dating this girl. Oh, my goodness. Stay with her. All right. You smell a lot better. Okay. No lie. Listen, he will comb his hair. I'm serious. Guys wear hats all the time because they're just too lazy to comb their hair. I'm just being honest with you. Think about it. If you love somebody, you want to be at your best. Guys, if a lady loves you, y'all better forgive me for this. All right. She'll stop wearing pajama pants and bedroom slippers to Walmart at 5 p.m. Amen? Can we just say amen on that? Come on. I mean, if you love them, you're not going to do that. Listen, you're willing to look foolish for the person you love. I've seen grown men allow their daughters to put makeup on them. And I got some pictures. I allowed Armani to paint my fingernails. You're willing to look foolish for the person you love. You know what I started doing when God saved me? I taught Sunday school. That was the most foolish thing I ever did. I, looked, I sounded so foolish. And the reason I want to do that is because I love Jesus. Think about that. See, you're willing to take that risk if you love somebody. Aren't you thankful for our choir? Do you realize, hey, Beverly Elder, where's Beverly? How much do we pay you? Oh, so far, nothing, okay? How long have you been playing? Ricky said forever. She said 30 years, okay? You know, listen, do you know why she plays? She loves Jesus, number one, loves her church. Ask Jill how much we're paying her. Sharon's part-time. She can make a lot more money if she is full-time somewhere. Why do you do what you do? Byron, I'll just teach this, all right? You just stay out of it, bud. I don't need your help. You got a big old class. Hey, let me say this about Byron Fry. Listen, aren't you think? Listen, you talking about, and I know I brag on Steve a lot, and I thank God for all our Sunday school teachers. Byron don't have to do this. Byron's a busy man. How many grandkids you got? See there? See there? Look, I remember Byron teaching a class that 20 people came to, and he did it for years. And last Sunday, they had 75. Thank you, brother. He don't got to do that. That's a blessing. And don't get me started on Peggy, all right? Serves, serves, and serves. I could, look, I could just point out in there, why do you do that? Because you love the Lord. I mean, isn't that a blessing? Listen, if you, if you love somebody, you're going to try to give them your best. You're willing to make a sacrifice for that person. Hey, listen, ladies, if a man loves you, he'll give up deer hunting. No, he won't. I'm just kidding. He won't do that. He won't do that. He might buy a cat, okay? But he won't do that. Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you love me, this is what he said, just keep my commandments. You know the greatest ones, love God, with all your heart, soul, and strength, mind. Love your neighbor. Can we not do that? I don't know that you got to have a Ph.D. in theology to do that, do you? We should be the most loving people on the planet and forgiving people on the planet because Christ loved us first. Think of all you've been forgiven. Think of it. Jesus said, I'm to forgive you like he did me. 
I fall short a lot. You should think the best about people, and you should love people if you love him. Not only that, you'll love him, but the second thing is you'll believe him. You'll believe him. That's in the present tense. And what that means is Peter's basically saying, though you do not see him now, you believe in him, which means you believe in him now. You're trusting in him now. What, what I find is amazing about my faith and yours is easy for me to trust in Jesus on Sunday. It really is. Wasn't, wasn't last, service a good, last week a great service? Great music, baptizing people. Isn't that a blessing? Do you realize that for those folks to get baptized and, and the people last year, it takes the whole church. Everybody took part in that. Prayers, serving, uh, praying, inviting, all these things. It takes everybody. And why do you do that? Because you're trusting in Christ to do what his word says he would do. But I'll tell you how my life is. I, I'm believing in Jesus right now. Every morning I get up, I'm like, Jesus, I'm believing in you. I'm believing in you. And, and intellectually, that's never going to change. I just, I just know Jesus rose from the dead and my faith's in him. But boy, trusting sometimes, that's a different story, isn't it? I remember we broke ground on this building. I think I was going, come on, Jesus. <laughs> We're in Alexander County. Come on, Jesus. Right? Imagine how many health scares you've had. See, it's one thing, it's one thing to know here. It's another thing to know here. See, that word believe is though you don't see him, you're trusting in him. And for a Christian, you're trusting in him for your salvation, of course, but then you're trusting in him as well for other things. In the context of trials, trials can it's not going to make you not believe, but it can make you not trust sometimes. Can God heal me? Yep, but what if he don't? What if he don't? Do you still trust and believe in him? I remember when the story of Jairus' daughter, he goes to Jesus and he says, you can heal my daughter, she's sick. And then, a, then one of his, his messengers came running to Jairus and said, your daughter just died. And he said, why are you bothering the, Jesus now? And you know what Jesus said? He says, you're going you're gonna to stop believing now? That's basically what he said. He says, you're going to stop believing now? He says, don't fear, just believe. She had just died. Stop being afraid and keep believing. It basically, one, one person paraphrased it. You had enough faith to ask me to help your daughter because you believed I could heal her. You don't believe I can raise her from the dead? No, that's an extreme example. But sometime this year, one of us will go to the doctor and get a bad report. And I would tell you last week when we're praising God for all the good things he was doing, you can praise him then as well, amen? And I would encourage you, and it's easy for me to say unless I'm going through it, I don't know what you're going through. I don't. I'm not ever going to say I know what you're going through. I don't. And it's foolish for us to say that, okay? But I know who Jesus is. I know who Jesus is. Keep believing, amen? Keep present tense believing, Keep believing today. Keep believing during the good times and then believe during the bad times because unfortunately, the bad times come as well. Not only will you love him, not only will you believe in him, but the Bible also says you will rejoice in him.
Peter here describes the Christian experience at its best and highest expression. You're going to rejoice in Jesus and what he does. Our faith sees the unseen loveliness of Jesus and all the wonderful gains in knowing him, and this produces within us joy. He basically says they're inexpressible and filled with glory. That means I'm so rejoicing in Jesus that I can't even speak. Have you ever been there? I'm so, I'm so overwhelmed and happy that I, I don't know what to say. I just can't, I can't verbalize it. And if you've ever been there, you know what I'm saying. I'm just so happy. I just don't know what to do. Sometimes you just cry. Sometimes you raise your hand. If you're a little introverted, you do this. You know, hold the TV, right? But that's how you do it. The word means to leap for joy. Have you ever been so overwhelmed with God's goodness and what God is doing that you jumped up and down. I've done it for sports things. Sure have. I got saved October 30th, 1990 on a Tuesday. I went from Foothills Mental Health, not Institute, up here, a mile from here, straight to Grandma's house. Got there about 8 o'clock. Walked in. Now, my grandma was a heavier set woman. Grandma said, James, she's one of the few people that has the right to do that. I said, Grandma got saved tonight. My grandmother jumped up and down, clapping. Never in my life had I seen her do that before. Jumped up and down. My grandmother. Sweetest lady you'll ever meet. Never heard her say a bad word. She'd whoop you with a switch, though. Sweet as she could be on a Tuesday night. And I say, Grandma, I got saved tonight. And that lady literally jumped up and down, started clapping. See, if you, if you love him and you believe in him, thank God for the times we can rejoice. Amen. Here's what I want you to I want you to stand with me with every head bowed and every eye closed. If our musicians will come, and in just the quietness of this moment, if you're if you have a relationship with Jesus, if you'll just bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment, just do this today. You don't have to say it out loud. Just just tell Jesus you love Him. Just tell Jesus you love Him. Jesus, I love you. Then in the quietness of this moment, tell Jesus you trust him. He knows all about what you're going through and what you're going to go through. Maybe you're struggling with that. You can say, Jesus, help my unbelief. He understands that. He understands what you're going through. He understands it. And then so many of us today, let's just, in the quietness of this moment, just rejoice in Jesus today. Rejoice in who he is, for what he's done for you. Just take this time to thank him and praise him. Rejoice in your heart.
as you love the Lord. If you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus, today would be a good day. You're never going to see him. But you can love him. You can believe in him. And you can trust him. Father, as we come to you in prayer, we want to thank you, Lord, for this day. Lord, I want to thank you for this church. Lord, there's a whole bunch of people here that love you and believe in you and rejoice in you. Father, my prayer is during this invitation time that you would encourage them. If there's one here today, Father, who's never placed their faith and trust in you, Lord, give them the eyes of the heart to place faith in you, as Paul says. And we'll forever thank you and praise you for what you do. And we love you, Father, in Jesus' name. As Sharon leads us in this song, you respond as the Lord leads you, lead you this morning. If you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus and you'd like to talk to myself or any of the staff, we'd love to talk with you about that. If you're having trouble loving, believing, rejoicing, and you'd like to talk to your pastor about it, you can anytime. Love you. God bless you. Hope you have a great Sunday afternoon and hope to see you back here tonight at 5. Thank you.